We had a really cool layout for service today. And then at 9 a.m., I just couldn't get past this, this thought that we're just not done. And I, I wasn't sure to do this in this hour or not, but honestly, I just feel so incredibly led to do this. So just scrap the whole plan. And uh, I did something weird this week. I decided that I would start counting when I met people and just did the usual how you doing thing. How many people's answers would be something like, well, you know, we're busy, we got a lot going on, stressed out. Well, you know how it is. I got to 80 plus of those and I thought, this is depressing. And then I, then I couldn't get past this thought that we're in a world where anxiety and angst and pressure and stress is just overwhelming. I don't know anybody that's not maxed out. And I sure don't know anybody that's not in a hurry. We gotta get from one thing to another thing and be it another thing for another thing and another reason for another reason. And, Somewhere in the middle of all of that, I think we've just kind of lost our way as our soul. Just sometimes we're just out of wander and we show up at church and it's just like, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up. But we think fill me up is a song or fill me up is a sermon or, and then Jesus shows up. And he says, these three words come to me. In our world, we don't really know what that means. Like, what in the world? How do you come to Jesus? I mean, like, seriously, how do you come to Jesus? And then he goes on and he says, this is the kind of people that should come to him. All you who are weary and burdened. I'm not even going to take a poll for how many hands go up in this room. If I just took what I've talked with people about in my office this week. Man, we, we got people fighting for their life with cancer. We got people caring for people who are fighting for their life with cancer. We got people who are literally broke and trying to figure out how am I gonna get to November 2nd? got folks whose marriages are completely in the tank and there's no love in that home and there hasn't been any for months, maybe years, and they're just out of gas. We got folks whose adult children are just coming completely off the rails and they're just thinking, what am I going to do? We got kids in our shine ministry right now who have incredibly special needs and those parents are exhausted. We got folks in this room and online that are just lonely. And you just, you, you just wanna take a breath and just say, I just need one of those days to just catch up and let my soul rest. We got folks in here and your kids are driving you bat crazy. And we got kids in here that would give anything to have kids. And Jesus says, come to me, 
all you who are weary and burdened, and this is my favorite, and I will give you rest. Not a nap, although I'll take one. I'm talking about like a soul rest where you can breathe, where you, where you can catch your breath, where you can know of the goodness of God. And the circumstances of this life don't overwhelm you to the degree that you just can't function. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. Yoke sounds like work to me. It's like, last thing I need is more work, Jesus. I fear over 10 years of being your pastor, I've led you into becoming a workaday church where we do so many good things and we do so many wonderful things in our community around here. But if we don't take a moment to catch our breath and let Jesus be our rest, all those things are for nothing. A yoke is what a rabbi, how Jesus started his ministry, a yoke is what that rabbi believed to be the fulfillment of God's plan revealed in his scripture. In other words, a yoke was that rabbi's way, truth, and life. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to me and I'll give you rest. I'm humble and I'm gentle. Those are two things that must be out in the ports on ships waiting to show up in America because we've got none of that. And Jesus says, I got plenty of that. Come on, bring it to me. Oh, he goes a little further. He says, and you will find rest for your soul. Amen, amen, and amen. I don't know about you, this soul needs rest. It needs to be refurbished a little bit. I need to catch a spiritual breath, amen? He says, now when you take on my yoke, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I need some of that, Jesus, don't you? So I asked Zach and the team if they would lead us again and Waymakers, Zach, do the whole thing. We'll get out of here, I promise. But we're going to do the whole thing. We're just not done yet. But I'm going to invite you during this song, if you want to just sit there, just sit there and just receive it. You want to stand and scream and shout and holler and raise your hand, just, just knock yourself out. You want to run around, run around. Some of you need to come to Jesus and just step out of your comfort zone. Stop worrying about what anybody thinks. Stop thinking if folks gonna worry if you're whacked out. We know you're whacked out. Don't worry about it. You know, I know that we're all whacked out. Some of you just need to come to this altar while you hear this song and you just need to let Jesus be a way maker in your life. Get on your knees before the Lord and just unpack all your junk and all your angst and all your anxiety and all your stress and all your pressure and all your children and all the things you desire for and all the things that you're worried about. And just come to Jesus because he says, come to me. And he doesn't say, get all that stuff off your mind and then come to me because I want to deal with nice, sweet people. He says, bring me all your junk. 
I don't care where you were last night, you come to me. I don't care what you believe right now, you come to me. I don't care what you're feeling right now, you come to me because this Jesus said, come to me, my way is light. I am gentle, I am humble. Come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. I don't know a human on the planet that doesn't need some rest for their soul. So as Zach sings, as Kelsey leads, as we worship, some of you could just start making your way now to this altar and start leaving all you junk with Jesus. Some of you just stand when you want to stand. Some of you just sit. But whatever this message is from the Lord during this song, receive this and act on it. Don't fiddle around. Don't wait. Jesus said, come to me. He didn't say make an appointment. He didn't say call my assistant. He doesn't work office hours. He just said, come to me. Zach, let's sing. Y'all come on to the Lord. Join me.
says and Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and he gave it to them saying this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me and then he went on and he said in the same way after the supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you how beautiful December 7 1941 a day that will live in infamy, a day when 3,581 servicemen were killed or wounded, and the whole world says, remember Pearl Harbor. 9-11, almost 3,000 Americans killed, and what do we hear? Never forget, nor should we. Well, Jesus gave us some directions of what we're to remember and what matters most. A few things that we should never forget is what Jesus instructed us. You see, communion, the Lord's Supper, maybe you grew up calling it something else, the Eucharist or whatever. Just know that the Lord's Supper, it's, it's a meal that we receive just as we take bread and wine and receive them into our body. We're to receive Jesus the Lord. 
This is, the, this is the picture. This is the memory that we have. Communion, you see, is more than a meal. Communion is a memorial. It's a memorial that both within us and around us, we remember this is who Jesus is, not who Jesus was. We remember what he did, but we know he is alive today. On the night before Jesus was killed here on earth, he gathered with his disciples for this final meal together. And it'd be the last time before he was hauled away by Jewish and Roman leaders. But make no mistake about it, that the Jews and the Romans didn't kill Jesus, we did. It's, it's, it's fun to preach on the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. It's another thing to recognize it's my sin that put Jesus on that cross. It's my sin that caused Jesus to shed his blood. And just as a reminder, it's your sin that put him on that cross. But remember, he willfully did that for you. He chose to. But that night he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. When you do this, remember me. The whole thing that is immeasurably more is the fact that Jesus lets us be a part of this memorial and this remembrance. he, He invites us to come into him and he come into us and we abide together in this memorial. You know, to, to, to remember, not if you took the original language in which this was written, to remember is not just, hey, I remember the Braves won game four. It is, it, is, it is to make it vivid. It is to make it real, tangible. It is to make it contemporary, the reality of the deed that was done. So today, when you take of the bread and you take of the juice, what you are doing is taking in you the memorial and remembrance of Jesus himself, that he abides in us. And to help our memory, Jesus uses bread that we all know. And remember Jesus born into the little city of bread. Jesus' first, very first miracle is turning water into wine. We find these throughout scripture. And the whole picture is that we get to take in Jesus because remember what he said, come to me. Come to me. I will give you rest. We're to remember the action that saved us. You see, one reason Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper communion is to remind us of the price that he paid to save us. He has taken on the wounds of Calvary so that we could be in heaven with him and be forgiven and cleaned up. He never wants us to forget that sacrifice, not for his sake, but for ours. There's a young boy on a ship leaving Ireland headed toward the States, but he was a stowaway. He he was escaping the the potato famine, and he got down and he hid underneath the ship. But the ship hit an iceberg on the way. And everybody got into all the lifeboats, and they started heading out until the captain was the last one off, got into his lifeboat, pushed off. As that ship began to sink a little bit more, he saw that one little boy standing on the rail. He turned around, and that little lifeboat came but climbed back up and was left of the ship, took the little boy, lowered him down into the boat. But it was too late for that captain to do anything, and the boat sailed away. And the last thing that the captain said to that little boy was, Son, never forget what was done for you today. Friend, listen to me. Me and you, we're the little boy 
Jesus is our captain. And he says, never forget what I've done for you. I've done this for you. Never forget what has been done for you. Through the poured wine, he reminds us of his blood that was spilled for our thirst for life. Through through his blood, we have the ability for our sin to be erased. And through his broken body and his spilled blood, he became the perfect sacrifice. He atoned for our sin. He took on our punishment. He took on death that we deserved. He redeemed us from eternity. My friend, if that's not immeasurably more, I don't know what could possibly be. And the Lord's Supper is an invitation. It's it's not just something we show up for. It's an invitation. Jesus says, come to my table and remember me. Because when we remember what Jesus has done for us, there can only be one response. We come to Jesus. We take him in. The Passover, the reason why they gathered in that upper, upper, upper room, the reason that they gathered for that first Lord's Supper, they gathered for Passover. Passover being a remembrance of the, of the Egyptians finally letting the Israelites go. But then when Jesus comes, he turns it into something new. And after he does everything that you would typically do, and he then says, but this is the new covenant in my blood. After the Seder prayer, he says, but this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Something uncommon. They could have never wrapped their head around that. First century couples, Jewish couples, what would happen is the parents would come together and decide that a a young man and a young woman would get married. And as they came together, they would negotiate what that bride was worth and the families would negotiate the pay. And once all that business was done, then the young man had the privilege of saying to that young lady, would you be mine? But we don't always recognize this connection because Jesus says that he is the husband and we are the bride, the church. He's the head of the church. But listen, listen to what that young man would do. He would take his cup of wine and he'd hold it up in front of his bride-to-be. And here's what he would say. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which I offer to you. And in response, she had the opportunity. She could respond with, nope, awkward. She could say nothing. But more often than not, what she said is, I love you and I give you my life. Yes, I accept your offer and I'll marry you and give you my life. Had a beautiful young Catholic family in the nine o'clock service and when we came to partake in the elements, they didn't move. And it hit me while I was praying for them. I wonder if they know it's okay to come on and do that because there's no priest here to do the thing, you know? And I said, you know, you know Jesus welcomes everybody to the table, right? You, you know that Jesus doesn't need a preacher, a pastor, a poet. Je- Jesus doesn't need a priest or a prophet. You can come straight to him. So can you imagine Jesus at that Seder meal saying, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe 
for giving us this fruit of the vine and then offering it up to them and saying, but this cup is a new covenant in my blood. I offer my life. Will you be my bride? Once again, come to me. And the only answer we offer that's sufficient is yes. I accept your offer and I give you my life in response. Friend, listen. As we partake in the Lord's Supper, boy, I felt really led today and I asked Beth and she was so kind to set all this stuff up. To set this water up. I, I don't normally do this, but I wanted you to know that symbolically what they would have done in that day is they would have washed their hands ceremonially. It wasn't with sanitizer. It literally was just like this. The picture drawn through that was literally, I'm preparing myself to receive the righteousness of God. Friend, listen, the reason I don't dispense your elements to you is I am no more worthy than you are. I am no more holy than you are. I am less righteous than most of you. But Jesus says, come on. So I invite you now to take a moment in prayer and ceremonially and seriously wash your spiritual hands. Let's pray. Lord, in this moment, in this hour, would you search our hearts and let us know every wicked way where we need you to step into our life and heal us and help us and give us hope. Lord, prepare us to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. And now take a moment and just clean your soul out before the Lord. Whatever it is you need to bear at the foot of the cross and leave with him, leave it. Lord, we love you. And I invite you to come to the stations to the front or the middle or the back and just take one of those cups that's got both a wafer and the juice in it and just start making your way. Bring it back to your seat and we'll partake together. Once you get back, you may want to pull that top film off so you can access the little wafer in there. Remember, it doesn't matter who you are, you can come. Doesn't matter what your faith system is, doesn't matter what you believe. You can just come on. Go ahead and pull that top piece off so you can access that. It's a thin piece you can pull off and then you pull, later we'll pull the juice part off. Jesus took the bread. He blessed it and he broke it. Now those two things are significant because this is exactly what Jesus does in our life. At times he needs to break me 
to let me be reminded he is God and I am not. But he seems to always bless me. Father, thank you for the remembrance of your broken body and your shed blood and for the love that you have for each of us. Let us run into your arms this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And they ate. Then you just pull that next tab off. Jesus took the wine, poured it. And he gave the picture perfect that this is a picture of my shed blood that I willfully will have dropped from my body for the forgiveness of your sin. And he took this and he drank it. When he did so, he said, always do that in remembrance of me. I know the hour's late. I know we need to go. I know we should sing, but I know you're getting antsy. It's fascinating to me. Not a single Georgia fan was antsy in the fourth quarter yesterday. They were in no hurry to leave. It was just, you know, and I noticed at the beginning of the game, nobody complained about how loud it was. It was fascinating. There were coaches saying, you can do better, and everybody kind of received it. And then watching the Braves last night, I thought, you know what, that's, that's, that's funny. When it looked like there was nowhere to go, they hung around there and Get out of here. A reminder to all of us. One of the ways you come to Jesus is you set aside all your pride and simply accept the fact that he loves you for who you are right now. And in spite of who we are, he takes us all in and says, I love you. So my friend today, let this Jesus go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. That's what he does. My favorite part is to let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment. Listen up because he is always good and you are always loved. And when days get difficult, let him come around behind you and pick you up and carry you, not around the mess, but right through the middle of it only to wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you and look at your Savior eyeball to eyeball and hear him say, my child, say it with me, I love you. I know it didn't feel like a pep rally like last week. Sometimes you just need to run into the arms of Jesus. God bless you. Go in peace.